Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And right now, Thomas Hearns is an open book for Ray Leonard. Backs up against the ropes. This is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport. The first loss. A tremendous victory. Leonard fighting off the ropes. It happened. It happened. Number cut by Douglas. Down goes Tyson. Hooks it. Right hand shot. Another legendary night is here for you fight fans, and we're fast approaching our 30th legendary nights episode. And this is our 29th. This is the tale of Rafael Marquez versus Israel Vasquez. Four great overall fights, and one that turned out to be a little bit of a stinker, which we'll talk about throughout the course of the episode. But three out of these four fights of this absolutely legendary series is fantastic and it's one that's been brought up in the past on the polls and it's one that one of our listeners uh, Dominic who messaged the page and said to us could you do this particular series of fights and said well you know what it's come up so many times let's get it done let's get this little quartet of fantastic fights done so Johnston your memories then initially of the Marquez Vasquez fights Quite simply, brilliant. I mean, these two warriors epitomise the Mexican style, that, that skillful brutality. And, and their trilogy of fights were basically truly amazing, electrifying fights. And I mean, I, I say the trilogy because it basically was a trilogy with one extra fight, as you just rightly mentioned, um, to just sort of, we won't go too far into it if, if, if no one, nobody knows, but you know, it was just like a, a decider in a way. You got the rubber match, but then you had the full fight. And uh, it was a fight that probably should never have happened. But, I mean, we will go into that. But just these, I mean, great, great fighters. They they mirrored each other and they, you know, they matched. Their styles matched perfectly. I mean, it was like a jigsaw puzzle, wasn't it, with these two? They just, it, you just knew they were going to be in, you were going to be in for a treat when you watched these two step in the ring against one another. So, as always with the Legendary Night series, we'll do 
a build-up to the first, second, third and fourth fight. And we'll go through their careers intertwining together throughout the course of the episode. How these two came to be on their collision courses. And of course all the fights. And we'll give some detail of each individual fight. How it all went down. And then we'll talk about the aftermath of what this meant for boxing. And how it transcended the Mexican boxing legends and the fighters of of, of Mexico. So we're going to start first of all with Israel Vasquez. He was actually born, if nobody knows, on Christmas Day in 1977. And as he was growing up, he used to work at his father's funeral business. Now, he actually never had an amateur career before kickstarting his professional career. And he started his professional career on the 20th of March, 1995, making his debut in the bantamweight division at only the age of 17, against Eduardo Rosas, who was only 2-0 in Mexico City, Mexico. So that tradition of Mexican fighters starting so early, turning over so early, was always something that I think people remember about a lot of these great Mexican fighters, the guys like Chavez's, and even like in this day and age, we've got Canelo, who started at the age of 15, would you believe? So another instance here of Israel... Vasquez turning professional at the age of 17. Now, Rafael Marquez, he's the younger brother of the multiple-time world champion Juan Manuel Marquez. And he began his professional boxing career at the age of 20 on September the 14th, 1995, at the Campeche, Mexico. Although he does insist that it was only an exhibition bout, the fight counted on his record And it resulted in an 8th round technical knockout loss to the former WBC bantamweight champion and the 33-year-old Victor Ranabelez, who was 39-14-2. Now, his matchmaker that night must have been given the biggest dressing down you've ever seen in boxing because it was quite simply a poor decision to put a debutant in with a former world champion. Now, six months later, he decided to start afresh and he re-debuted and was matched more sensibly and he ended up going on to win by a second round knockout. But what a start to both of their careers. Yeah, as you say, uh, the Mexicans, they, they do like to start early. They don't tend to mess about in the amateurs and and they learn their trade in a professional game. Eric Morelles, Herrera, and as you mentioned, Canelo, you know, uh, Chavez, they, they're all, they all, start relatively early and, and as I say they, they find their feet in the pro games and, and ironically I mean that's a great school of Rafael Marquez straight from the off the younger brother of one Manuel Marquez and the fact that he still says that it wasn't actually a debut it was an exhibition fight and um, <laughs> I find it crazy I mean what on earth was his matchmaker thinking sticking him in the ring on his debut against Victor Roblanes uh, really really strange one but uh, really interesting start for the pair of them and um, going back to uh, Vasquez, uh, just with just one week's notice, uh, Vasquez actually fought unbeaten Mexican star Oscar Larios, who was actually twenty and zero in his uh, in his only his thirteenth fight, and that happened on April twelfth, nineteen ninety seven, um, and he won by a sensational first round knockout at the Arena uh, Coslino in Mexico City, Mexico. Uh, the fight is on YouTube; it's got Spanish commentary. But it is an absolutely stunning knockout and I would advise anybody to go and have a look at this. It's just beautiful timing. The way 
he sort of, he, he feels, Laris sort of hits him to the body and he comes up with this wonderful character, right? And it's just a destructive situation. If, if nobody knows what Vasquez was like, I'd advise anyone, go on YouTube, have a look at this knockout. It's the first fight between him and Oscar Laris. Ends in the first round, but wow, what an absolutely stunning finish from Vasquez. So Vasquez enjoyed an active 1997 with four wins, and in 1998 with six more wins, seven of which were stoppages before he suffered his second professional loss against Marcos Licona, who was 13-1-1 by a very close split decision on March the 27th, 1999, at the Tropicana Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Vasquez was knocked down in the ninth round, which effectively cost him the chance to win the NABO Super Bantamweight title, which had been vacated by Jorge Laxavera. For the next four years, Marquez worked his way up the Bantamweight rankings and established an impressive record of 21 wins, two defeats, and 20 knockouts before taking on his toughest opponent today, who was Gennaro Garcia, who was 22-3 and at the time. And this happened on the 12th of November 2000 at the Las Caprales Regency Hotel in Denver, Colorado. Now, both fighters were willing to trade from the off, which resulted in Marquez getting dropped in the second round with a right behind the ear. Now, Marquez struggled to get up immediately and then decides to take a knee to recover. However... He actually took too long to return to his feet before the referee's 10 count and then was stopped. So Marquez disputed that stoppage, but the decision was final and it was back to the drawing board. No, I mean, what an impressive... I mean, he had the, the craziness for the debut and then goes on to win 21 fights and losing twice in those 20 knockouts. And then he has this this situation, I suppose, again, he's a bit green, a bit naive. He's obviously... He's gone down, got up too quickly, thought he'd take a knee and then obviously chucked up too late. Uh, I mean, these are areas that I suppose you would learn in the amateur games. And as we mentioned, the Mexicans don't tend to go that way. But but back, staying with Marquez one year uh, later after four stoppage victories, uh, Martinez did gain recognition for defeating two-division world champion and future Hall of, Fa- Hall of Fame member Mark Johnson, who was actually 40 and one at the time there. He won by split decision at the Memorial Coliseum in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, on the Angel Manfredi and Julio Diaz undercard. Now, in bizarre events, Johnson was originally declared the winner of the fight when the scorecards were read out. Now, another announcement was made minutes later saying that the scoring was an error, but Johnson was still the winner. But after the main event, Another announcement was made saying Marquez was the winner by split decision after the scorecards were reviewed again. So following that scoring debacle, a rematch eventually took place four months later, but Marquez wasn't interested in what the judges thought and, and their, their craziness and stupidness with trying to put their scorecards together. Um, and he didn't let him get involved. And he actually knocked Johnson out in the eighth round to win the vacant USBA bantamweight title and... It was also an IBF title eliminator. Wow, that's an absolutely crazy story. <laughs> if anybody doesn't remember this, and I think it's something that you should go and have a quick look at because there's so much debate about scorecards, poor scorecards, poor decisions. We talk about it all the time when boxing is on a weekly basis of certain fights that have been scored really badly. But that is an absolute shit show. That is so bad <laughs> that I think 
we have to bring it to the attention of the listeners. So if you've not heard about this before, you don't remember it, please go and check it out. Because if you think you've seen a shit decision in the past 12 months, you ain't seen anything as bad as that, that's for sure. Now, bouncing back bouncing back from that close defeat to uh, Lincona, Vasquez clocked up 12 wins on the trot with eight stoppages, including an NABF super bantamweight title win over Don Don Conception, who was 25-1 in January of 2001. Now, originally, a fight against the WBC champion, Willie Jarin, was next, but due to an injury to Jarin's leg, Oscar Larius was brought in as a replacement, and they would contest for the WBC Super Bantamweight interim title. At the Memorial Auditorium in Sacramento, California, Vasquez was put down twice in the 12th and final round, following a right hand that landed just behind the left ear. The bout was officially stopped when Vasquez went down for a second time. Another great fight, that one. And that, again, again, you can see a lot of these fights on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, HBO are heavily involved at the beginning of their careers, um, as, as, as you will find when you move on to February 15, 2003, live on HBO After Dark, one of our favourites. It's, it's just a, a go-to place. The HBO After Dark show is always brilliant. And, and Rafael Marquez finally got his chance at the unbeaten IBF bantamweight title holder, Tim Austin, who was 25-0-1. And Tim Austin, may I say, is, very underrated. He's a very good fighter, actually. And this, this took place at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada. The American Southpaw had held the title for six years and was making temp defence and looked to be on his way to another successful defence until the eighth round when the fight basically turned into a toe-to-toe warfare. Now, Marquez was hurt at one point in this round. He was actually reeling back. And Austin was trying to go for the kill. And then, obviously, the champ... Ended up getting caught. He ended up getting caught with one of those left hooks. And it, 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 with the way the fight turns in this round, it just becomes, as I say, a warfare. And, and Marquez it just, it just fell into his territory. Austin should never have done what he did. He tried to go for it. You, you can see it. You get a guy that will go for the finish and then he gets caught. And that's basically what happened. He was a bit sloppy, but he got caught. And uh, the champ did show courage, courage to return to his feet after getting knocked down. And he was all over the place. But then, uh, obviously, Marquez went for it and uh, he put him under a lot of pressure as he does great pressure fire, firing those left hooks. And, and he was a devastating finisher, Marquez. And, and the referee stopped it. And Marquez became one of very few brothers' combinations in boxing history to hold world titles. And he said after the fight, I feel very content and very happy to have won this title. I feel very, very happy. Marquez actually went on then to make his first defence of the title against the former light flyweight champion Mauricio Pastrana, who was 33-1 and at the Staples Centre in Los Angeles, California on October the 4th, 2003, winning via a wide unanimous decision, 118-110, to 117-111, to and again 118-110. to before going on to stop American Pete Frasina, who was 27-3-1 in the second round in January 31st of 2004 at the Dodge Theatre in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, while Marquez had become a legitimate world champion, Vasquez was still chasing the dream following his loss to Larius. Three wins on the bounce put him in line to challenge the southpaw Jose Luis Valbuena, who was 24-2-1 for the IBF Super Bantamweight title, which had been vacated by a certain Manny Pacquiao. Now, live 
on HBO Latino at the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, Vasquez was not going to let this opportunity slip away again and was quoted by Boxing News about the fight and he said, I always gave my best every single time I fought but it was a dream of mine to become a world champion. During the fight with Jose Luis Valbuena, every word Freddie Roach and Justine Fortune were telling me in the corner I was listening to. The words of advice Vasquez was getting on the night paid dividends as he knocked down Valbrena in the 4th round and again in the 12th before the referee stopped the contest in the final round, crowning Magnifico as the new world champion. So now we have two world champions, one in the bantamweight division and one in the super bantamweight division. Obviously, Marquez has made his he made his first defence and uh, Vasquez picks up his title. Now, six months later from the Marquez fight, in his third defence of the IBF bantamweight title, Marquez knocked out Roberto Ruiz, who was 31-2-2 with a stunning counter-right uppercut in the third round at the MGN in Las Vegas. Again, this was on HBO pay-per-view show, headlined by Eric Moreles and Carlos Hernandez. Now, the speed and accuracy of this punch was perfect, and it's, again, another must-see. Honestly, I encourage you, don't, you've got to look at some of these finishes from these guys. They are absolutely devastating. You can see, if you, if you watch some of these knockouts and then you watch the fights after, you get a real feel of exactly how big these two were at the time. They were at their peaks when they eventually meet, which we're obviously going to go back to. But back to the MGM on the 27th of November 2004, Marquez faced Pastrana 31-4-1 for the second time with the challenger quitting on his stall this time after the eighth round in another notable title defence for Marquez. Now in May the following year, Marquez made his fifth successful defence by outpointing Ricardo Vargas, who was 38-10-3 by unanimous decision at the Staples Centre in Los Angeles, California. Vargas hit the canvas in the 12th round, but managed to survive the onslaught to hear the final bell. Now, going back to Vasquez, in his first defence of his IBF title, he knocked out undefeated Armenian Artem Simeon, who was 14-0 and one draw, in the fifth round before going on to defeat Armando Guerrero, who was 23-6, and with a hard-fought unanimous decision victory that some felt was actually closer than the scorecard suggested. The fight was televised live on ESPN2 on the 31st of May 2005 at the Ho-Chunk Sports Centre in Linwood, Illinois, and all three judges had it, 116-112, in Vasquez's favour. So Vasquez, again, defending his title. Marquez, defending his title. These two on the collision course to meet each other. They really were. And obviously, at, at this moment now, you've got one in the bantamweight division, one in the super bantamweight division, and they are becoming the two main men of, of their respective weights. And moving back to Marquez in 2005 on November 5th, Marquez took on an undefeated IBO bantamweight champion, which is Silence Mambuzu was actually 18 and 0 at the time, and this was at uh, Caesars Tejo in State Line, Nevada. And this was his sixth defence of the IBF bantamweight title. Now, Marquez was ahead on all three judges' scorecards moving into the fourth. And following a left hook to the head that knocked Mambuzu down for the first time as an amateur and a professional in the first round, referee Norm Bunden decided to stop the contest on the advice of the ringside position, who was Stephen Brown at the time, due to a two-inch cut on his right eyebrow, a cut under his left eye, and a cut under his left eye. Now, Mombosa and his handlers complained that the cut had been opened by a headbutt, but Bunden ruled 
it as a punch, and that was the reason why the, the wound had opened. Now, Mark Ratner, who was the chairman of Nevada State Athletic Commission, actually said that the cuts were caused by punches. The more severe cuts were made were worsened by a headbutt, but if the cut had been opened by a headbutt and then worsened again, then uh, it would have been a no decision. It was a bit of a political situation, obviously, silence. I mean, Boozer and his handlers weren't best pleased with the referee stopping the fight. By the sounds of it, he's, I, didn't, I haven't seen this fight. I mean, this is a lot of this information I've pulled off. I see bit, some pictures that I had the time to look at, but he did look a bit of a mess, to be honest with you. I, I can sort of see why the referee would have, would have decided to pull it. Israel Vasquez and foe Oscar Larios, who is now 56-3-1, met for their rubber match on December the 3rd, 2005, at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Vasquez was unable to defend his Super Bantamweight title because the IBF withdrew its sanction after Larius refused to participate in an IBF-mandated second weigh-in in the afternoon of the fight. Therefore, the WBC Super Bantamweight and the vacant Ring Magazine junior featherweight titles were on the line. Now, Larios was on a streak of nine consecutive title defences, but... Vasquez got off to a flyer, putting Larios down in the opening round. In the third round, a large cut opened over the left eye of Larios. So on the advice of the ringside physician yet again, in another fight, Dr. William <laughs> Berliner, Tony Weeks actually stopped the fight, meaning Vasquez won by a third round technical knockout. So again, more controversy this time in Vasquez's rubber match with Larios to go on and have the fight stopped in the third round due to that court, but then goes on, obviously, to, to win uh, and get the WBC Super Bantamweight and Vacant Ring Magazine Junior Featherweight title. Oh, brilliant. I mean, the, their, their trilogy, again, is another It's another great trilogy. I mean, from the first fight, it seemed like a bit of a no contest, but the, the, the finish from Vasquez in that first round, as I, as I mentioned earlier, was fantastic. And then the two next fights were brilliant again. And then... On June 10, 2006, at Bull Hall in Atlantic City, New Jersey, Vasquez defeated former champion Ivan Hernandez, who was 23-1-1, in his first defence of the WBC, the ring and the lineal super bantamweight titles. But Hernandez could not continue after suffering a broken nose in the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, it seems they're all having, they're both very similar in styles, and they're having, they're having similar problems, isn't they, with, these crazy stoppages. Going back to Rafael Marquez against Silence Mimbuza, who was now 19-1. and And they did meet in their rematch on the 5th of August 2006 at State Line Nevada again. Mimbuza, this time, was pummeled for nine rounds and suffered a nosebleed from round three, a cut beside the right eye, and two parallel horizontal cuts on the left cheek in round eight. Marquez successfully defended the RBF title for the seventh and last time after Mombosa's corner decided to stop the fight in the ninth round. Basically, Rafael Marquez made 100% sure once again that he ain't going to go to the judges and we're not, well, not that he went to judges, he's not going to have any doctor coming in. He's going to pound him and that's basically what he did in this fight. So the following month, on September the 16th, 2006, Vasquez and Johnny Gonzalez, who was 33-4, and four, produced a candidate for the fight of the year at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Now, Vasquez was behind on the scorecards after hitting the deck twice, once in the fourth and again in the sixth round. But he actually rallied back to knock Gonzalez down once in the seventh and then again in the tenth round. It was the tenth that Gonzalez's corner had seen their guy take enough punishment and they actually threw in the towel. Now, the judges' scorecards at the time of the stoppage read 85-83, 85-83 and 86-82, all in favour 
of Gonzalez. Now, Vasquez actually showed true heart and desire to dig deep into the trenches and pull off a defiant performance and retain his titles. But for Johnny Gonzalez, he must have been absolutely sick to his stomach after he was pulled out of that fight. Even though he was taking a beating, his corner pulled him out to keep him safe. We all understand the implications of that. But knowing them scorecards after that, he must have felt absolutely sick. He must have felt I could have just carried him for another couple of rounds. Obviously, you know, these guys, they they know Gonzalez and that they would have known to put him out. But, oh, I mean, what a tremendous comeback as well from Vasquez being put down twice. And then being, even in the sixth, that second time of the sixth, and then knocking down in the seventh. It is a, another brilliant fight. And, you know, that's what you're going to get with these two guys. They were never the sort... They, they didn't have the best defences in the world, and that's for sure. But what they did have was absolute just aggressive, aggressive style. And as I say, you know... It's all, could epitomise the Mexican style when you talk about these two and they both had similar shots and yeah and just a great performance from Vasquez there against Gonzalez and again another fight go back and have a look on it it's a stunner six months ago Israel Vasquez cemented his position as the premier super bantamweight in the world by rising from the deck to stop bantamweight titleist Johnny Gonzalez tonight Vasquez faces another bantamweight titleist in an effort to establish himself as not just a champion but a pound-for-pound star. But this Bantamweight titleist, Rafael Marquez, is the finest fighter Vasquez has ever faced. Can you make seven defenses of the 118-pound world title, clearly establish yourself as the top Bantamweight in the world, and still be in position to take a giant step forward? With an impressive win in tonight's career-defining fight, Rafael Marquez can secure his status on the coveted pound-for-pound list and take his place alongside some of the best Mexican champions of this generation. Now we get into the build-up to the first meeting between Vasquez and Marquez, and it was obviously very anticipated in the boxing media and had been described as a sensational action fight. Both boxers agreed with this sentiment. Vasquez claimed that this was going to be fight of the year, and Marquez stated that it was going to be a brawl. What we had here were two elite fighters at the top of the game with almost identical styles. Now, when analysing their keys to victory, both work well behind the jabs, but both have dubious defences, both work the body to great effect, and loved to use their signature shots, which was a left hook. The five-foot, five-and-a-half-inch Marquez, who was a half-inch shorter than Vasquez, had made seven successful defences of the IBF Bantamweight title he'd won in 2003, and would be moving up from £118 to £122 for this WBC title fight. And he actually said, I feel really good at £122. I feel much stronger, and I'm sure the weight is not going to be an issue once I get inside the ropes. Believe me, I have the punching power at this weight. And Vasquez believed he would have the advantage because of the weight, saying, I am a natural £122-pounder. He has never had to do that before. I think this will be the biggest obstacle facing him. He is going to have to fight a natural 122-pounder, and this is the way I am really comfortable at and have been comfortable at my entire career. Yeah, so they're both obviously in in buoyant mood, very confident, and and no, you know, no doubt. I mean, they're both on on this fantastic street. They're both world champions, albeit Vasquez being at the weight already. But there was an interesting scenario for Vasquez because Freddie Roach was actually. He was not with Vasquez in his training camp for about 10 to 12 days, period before the fight. Now, this is actually because Oscar De La Hoya was on his 
big press conference um, build-up to his up-and-coming fight against Floyd Mayweather Jr. I'm not sure how much of a hindrance that was, but it was definitely something worth mentioning. And Vasquez did accept that Marquez would be the most his most dangerous opponent he had ever faced. But he believed that, obviously, that being the natural heavier man, he would take advantage. Marquez will be the most dangerous fighter I've faced. I am going to knock him out in seven rounds. The only winner besides me in this fight will be the fans. Vasquez then also said, Marquez and I don't want to face each other, but we have to because we are the best. Vasquez said, speaking through an interpreter, I expect him to come at me with everything and try and knock me out. Now, however, Marquez claimed that he felt a much stronger at Super Bantamweight and that at this weight, he would be just as powerful and responded. How do you know that it will go seven? So he was basically countering back the fact that he's going to knock you out in seven rounds. He said, actually, that's going to go seven because I'm probably going to knock you out. And he also mentioned that Vasquez is the type of fighter that likes to throw a lot of punches. He is also, he's always in attack mode. My style is very similar. I'm not here to dance around and knee with Vasquez. This is why I think this fight is certainly going to live up to its billing. So Rafael Marquez versus Israel Vasquez, the first fight, took place March the 3rd, 2007 at the Home Depot Centre in Carson, California. It broadcast on Showtime, the referee was Raul Caez Jr. And the judges were Dave Moretti, Pat Russell and Jack Rice. The titles on the line were the WBC, the Ring and Lineal Super Bantamweight titles. Now Vasquez had stopped 31 opponents on his way to a record of 41-3 and three and was 29 years old. Marquez had 32 knockouts whilst going 36-3 and three and was 31 years old. So going into the fight itself, an absolute barnstormer, I must say, before we go into a little bit of a breakdown of this particular one. Now rounds one and two, as predicted, the fight turned out to be an absolute brawl with the early portion of the fight being dominated by Marquez with his greater hand speed and combinations. He was able to land an uppercut which broke Vasquez's nose in the opening round. And in rounds three and four, Vasquez seemed to be in trouble in the third, but was able to knock Marquez down with a left hook on the inside. Now, Marquez rose from the cameras at the count of three, although he was on unsteady legs at this point. He actually managed to see out the remainder of the round. Vasquez was unable to take advantage of that knockdown in the next round and was clearly in discomfort. Well, Marquez was actually able to recuperate. So the first four rounds of this fight absolutely fantastic and it just set the precedent of what this series of fights was going to be it really did and and one thing i was was quite clever with marquez was the way he was throwing his jab he was sort of throwing it over uh over vasquez's and he wasn't allowing vasquez to set and get close he was always making sure he was on the back foot and he almost sort of he had this distance between him and Vasquez, which was very clever of Marquez because what he did when Vasquez did close the distance, as you see in that third round, he sort of throws that left hook. He looks like he's in trouble. Marquez again goes in to try and finish him off or try and put him down at least. And Vasquez just catches him with that left hook. And, you know, what they say, that famous saying, you know, it's the shots you don't see that put you that hurt you the most. And, and clearly that was the shot. It really did hurt Marquez, but he did manage to recover obviously the broken over of Vasquez being a problem in, in those uh, in those early rounds. And then obviously moving into the fifth and or between the fifth and the seventh. Now by the end of the fifth round, Vasquez's nose had basically become a major problem 
with Vasquez actually telling his corner man, Freddie Roach, I can't continue. Now, despite this, the fight did continue for two more fast-paced rounds before Vasquez finally retired on his stall at the end of round seven, claiming, I can't anymore. I can't anymore. And as a result, Marquez was announced as the winner and the new world champion. Marquez with the left uppercut. Now the left was blocked by Vasquez. Vasquez with a left-right combination. Coming on. Vasquez turns it up. Back comes Marquez. Oh, wow. And they trade going toe-to-toe in the center of the ring. What's happening? It's over. Israel Vasquez has quit. Wow. I don't believe it. Rafael Marquez is the winner. Out of nowhere, Israel Vasquez decides not to go on. And you have to go back to perhaps the issue of the nose. Maybe he just can't breathe. I mean, we see the blood coming from it. We're not going to speculate. We'll get information as we go on that. But certainly, it's conceivable that's the reason. Out of nowhere, Al Vasquez just strolled over to the Marquez corner and waved it off. And a jubilant Rafael Marquez has snatched the title away. Unbelievable finish. So even though that first fight took place early in the year, many actually consider that it would win fight of the year honours. And it may have won, but in August, Marquez and Vasquez met again. Which build, <laughs> which leads us into, of course, the second fight. So, we've got this first fight where Vasquez seemingly quit. Some people might have just said there that yeah. he's had to quit the fight. You can't do it. Some people might have had a difference of opinion on that, and I'm sure they did at the time. However, he felt like he was justified a rematch, and it warranted a rematch between the two of them because it was such a great fight. So the build-up to the second fight, and it was originally scheduled for July, but it actually had to be pushed back to August. Now, after his success in the first fight, Marquez actually predicted that he would once again win by knockout. Now, before the rematch, Vasquez had to hire Rudy Perez as his new trainer, as his previous trainer opted out of the bout. Roach actually claimed that Vasquez should have taken more time off and that he was starting to slur his words. And on the other hand, Vasquez said that he wanted to show in the rematch that he could beat Marquez when he was fully healthy. Now to the unfinished business at hand. Rafael Marquez considered pound for pound one of the best fighters in the world, but to keep that lofty standing, he must retain the title tonight with a conclusive rematch victory against an opponent who's as hungry as he's ever been. Yes, former champ Israel Vasquez has never been more motivated, saying, quote, when somebody takes something from you, you want it back. Very interesting, isn't it? I mean, uh, when you're Freddie Roach, Considering the talent he's been around, and you know he knows many fighters, um, it's an interesting statement and why he left. Rudy Perez did a great job, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a bit more to that because people still say today that Vasquez speaks really well. So although he's got other problems, just just interesting that he said that. I wonder if there might have been something more in that. But so, I mean, there wasn't much of a build-up. I mean, these two, there isn't much to say really with these two fellas. They weren't really trash talkers and. So we're moving to the second fight, and the second fight took place on August 4th, 2007 in Dodge Arena in Hindigo, Texas, USA. Uh, referee was Juan Rupalo Garcia, broadcast obviously on Showtime. Judges were Ray Hawkins, 
Gal Van Hoy and Ejando Rochin. Uh, the titles on the line were the WBC, the, the ring and the lineal super bantamweight titles. Vasquez now has a record of 41 from four and he was still 29 years old. And Marquez obviously had a record of 37 and three and was 32 years old. In this particular fight, what we've done is we've picked out some of the most notable moments of the fight as opposed to trying to break down the whole thing because the last thing we want you guys to do is get bored listening to it. So there's that many fights to go through with this tale. We, we decided to pick out the most notable moments of the fight and the result and subsequently lead on to, to that third fight, of course. So round three was a very notable round in this particular fight because after good exchanges in the first two rounds, the action did peak in this round. It was one of the best rounds of boxing you'll actually ever see. Both fighters exchanged heavy punches throughout the round, with Marquez actually suffering a cut over his right eye and looking in serious trouble. He was actually able to respond with a series of overhand rights, which then opened up cuts over both of Vasquez's eyes. So with the tide changing in Marquez's favour, Vasquez rallied back landing that trademark left hook which turned the tide once again and the announcer Steve Albert described the action as one of those old time fights. It really is a stunning round of boxing. One of the best rounds again you will ever see. I mean we could probably pick, if we were to just pick, uh, we were to go through 12 rounds and just pick any round across boxing I think round three I think this could well be the round three of, of all one of the best round threes you'll ever see it's just absolutely stunning and and uh, you know the the action didn't stop it was it was non-stop action going into the fourth and the fifth but again round six was another interesting another fascinating round and, and in round six the blood would continue to flow from Vasquez's left eye throughout the fight now during the sixth round Vasquez was able to knock Marquez down with a heavy right uppercut left hook combination to the head. And although Marquez was able to rise from the canvas, the referee, Jose, I'm going to call him Garcia because I'm going to murder his first name, stopped the action after Vasquez landed another series of punches uh, with Vasquez basically reclaiming his titles and, and Marquez was in a bit of trouble. I mean, the, the problem is, um, as we just mentioned now, is that it was felt that both Marquez, by Marquez and his team and Showtime analyst Al Bernstein, that a referee stoppage was premature. Now, despite this referee still claimed that uh, the stoppage was justified and Marquez did complain. He said, I don't understand. I was throwing punches. I was able to fight. I don't know why the referee didn't see his eyes and think that he was hurt too. Did you believe that the fight should have been stopped. Were you in physical danger and trouble? I was still throwing punches. I don't know why he stopped the fight, because I was still able to fight. You were cognizant. You were not in trouble in your mind? I don't know why the referee stopped it at that manner, because I was still throwing punches. Did you feel as though you could continue this fight and win, and did you recognize that his eyes were a problem and that gave you an opportunity to end this fight? He goes that he doesn't know why the commission or the referee didn't see that he was in trouble because of his eyes that were uh, sliced up, that were hurt. So you would like to have a third fight. We've now had two great fights. Would you like a third? Man-to-man, -man, we told him we were going to give him the, the next fight. So now, man-to-man, -man, we want him to give us the third fight. He, yes, he's willing to do it. Now, the Showtime analyst, Al Bernstein, as you mentioned there, actually said, I am loath to criticize an official. However, I feel that this stoppage was premature. Israel Vasquez was superb tonight and may very well have knocked out Marquez later in the rounds, no question. However, I do feel that Garcia stopped the fight too quickly. Now, following the bout, 
Both boxers expressed their eagerness, of course, for a third fight to happen. And Marquez said, after the first fight, man-to-man, we told him we'd give him a rematch. And now, man-to-man, we want him to know we want the third fight. And of course, the third fight came. So, like epic three-fight series between the likes of Muhammad Ali and Joe Fraser, Riddick Bowen and Evander Holyfield, and even Marco Antonio Pereira and Eric Morales, the Vasquez and Marquez series is now placed in the same bracket as those all-time great trilogies. Now, what sets the Vasquez-Marquez rivalry aside is that the respect that they had for one another through all three of these promotions. Now, instead of becoming bitter and nasty to each other, like you've seen in the Ali Frazier trilogy and Barrera Morales, they were actually very sportsmanlike to each other. And it was not until over seven months later that the fighters met for a third time as they actually returned to the site of their first encounter, which was the Home Depot Centre in Carson. Once again, the fight was expected to be a war. And I think it's a point. I mean, we'll, we'll do the build-up again. I mean, Vasquez was hoping to unify, obviously, now the champion after getting his regaining his titles. And he was hoping to unify 122-pound uh, belts and actually move up to challenge featherweight champion at the time. It was Jorge Linares. And he actually said, deep down in my heart, I know and believe I am going to win by knockout Saturday night. I have the utmost respect for Marquez. Everybody knows that. But in the ring, it's a totally different story. I have to win by knockout. There is no other option. This is a very important fight of boxing. And it is more important for my career and my legacy. This fight will go down in history. And Vasquez also stated, if he wants to beat me, he has to fight me blow by blow. No other way around it. When you mention Marquez's name, my name will be tied to him because of the legendary trilogy that we fought against one another. And, I mean, what a great... I mean, it's, it's crazy because they're talking about it so they would have panned the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah, they've got this unbelievable <laughs> respect for one another. And, and uh, the way they, they mention that, they're going to be sort of... You know, then his name's going to go down with Marquez. And it is. I mean, you, you, their names are even similar. Marquez, Vasquez. It just fits. Everything about these two fit. And I think that was a great little statement there from Vasquez and, and one that we had to stick in for this, this podcast for the legendary Knights do need to. Now, Marquez claimed that he would have to box intelligently to reclaim this title. But he spoke about the respect he also had for Vasquez. And he said, There is no bad blood between Vasquez and myself. We are professionals and we want the same thing, to win fights and world championships. Please don't miss this fight. It's going to be a war. And Gary Shaw, who handled Marquez and promoted all three of the fights, said, I don't think this trilogy, in my mind, can be compared to anything. I think this may go down as the greatest. We won't know, obviously, until after Saturday, but if I know both fighters like I think I do, and I know the camps and the trainers and everyone else, I believe that this might go down as the greatest trilogy of all time. And on the third fight, Vasquez said, fans will be treated to a spectacular show. I know a lot of boxers say that to hype up the fight, but I think it means a little more when I say it. The proof is in our last two fights. Everyone loved those battles, and everyone will love our third fight too. And Marquez said, this fight definitely has the possibility of being better than the last two. The first two fights were wars, and this 
is going to be a classic battle. And I tell you what, I mean, the funny thing is, sometimes you do get these situations. You know, the first fight's brilliant, and then the second fight's okay, and the third fight's okay. When you say, okay, they're still excellent fights, but you know, very rarely had the third one, apart from like the thriller Manila, you know, that is the one really, the third fight always probably is better than the other two. And I, I, I'm stuck between two and three. I really, you know, what I just wasn't expecting what these two produced in the third fight. And, and I did watch this. This is the one I do. I did watch in 2008. And it happened on March 1st, 2008. And I did. I missed the other two. It was two fights that I'd, I'd watch later on. I didn't actually watch them at the time, but this was one I was really eager to see. And I did see this fight. And this was at the Home Depot in Carson, California. The referee was Pat Russell. Obviously, broadcast and showtime. And the judges were Tom Kazmarek, James Jenkin, and Max DeLuca. And the titles, again, WBC, the ring, the linear one, the super panel titles. These two were the two, two best super bantamweight champions around, or, you know, the two best one and two, no matter what. Uh, Vaz Creed had a record of 42 and four. He's 30 years old now. Marcus was 32, and his record was 37 and four. And, uh, I mean, what a, another fantastic fight. I mean, I suppose I would probably go with the trilogy because I get you get 12 rounds of it. It's, it's just absolutely, it's just amazing. It's just a great, great watch. It really is. Israel Vasquez, Rafael Marquez. They share common bonds, their values, and dedication to their craft. Es rápido, es rápido, es rápido. Vamos a ganar, vamos a ganar. They have both been recognized for their skills and courage. They have both won world titles and accolades. Twice they stepped into the ring to face each other in 2007. They created a combustible combination and a rivalry for the ages. Now Mark has controlled the early action of the fight by landing effective jabs and right hands, although Vasquez was able to land hard shots intermittently. Marquez underlined his dominance in the fight by sending Vasquez to the canvas with a hard right hand in the fourth round. Vasquez survived the knockdown and would go on to hurt Marquez several times in a round that was named Round of the Year by Ring Magazine and an absolutely fantastic, brilliant round that we should go back and watch once more because it's unbelievable. Honestly, we don't we don't use the word unbelievable when it's not. It's fantastic. Now, the fighters were evenly matched over the middle portion of the fight, with Vasquez once again fighting with deep cuts over his eye. He was very susceptible to getting these cuts over his eyes, Vasquez, and it was quite evident in, in the fights with Marquez. Now, Marquez actually suffered a setback in the 10th round when he was docked a point for persistent low blows. Both fighters engaged in non-stop action, and unlike the first two encounters, this one went the full 12 rounds. And late in the final round, Marquez was badly hurt from a heavy barrage of punches and with only seconds to go in the fight, Vasquez scored a knockdown when the referee deemed that only the ropes were keeping Marquez from going down. So just when you think it couldn't get any better, it got better in that final round. Oh, it's just tremendous. I mean, that, that, I think that's why I always go with the third fight for me as my favourite because we get 12 rounds. I get disappointed when I watch the second. I thought I'm without Burnton. I think the referee stops it a little bit prematurely and I think that would have been a, a, a could have been this fight. But then it saved them. It saved them for this and I think this was just spectacular. And how it went the drama in that twelfth round was incredible and, and you know, the low blow in the in the tenth, I don't know, it seemed a bit harsh. Uh, yeah, again I could sort of feel for Marquez. But now although Marquez was able to recover and hear that final bell it was inevitable, and Vasquez, obviously, with the low blow, and then with 
the knockdown, he was announced the winner by split decision. Tom Kazmarek uh, scored about 1-1-14, 1-1-11 in favour of Marquez. But that was overruled by scores of 1-1-14, or 1-11 by Max DeLuca and 1-13, 1-12 by James Jenkin, both of Vasquez. He won split decision on one of the best fights I've ever seen. Uh, now, just watching it again, it's one I, not that I forget about, but when you just, with all these, there's so many great fights that sometimes you do, this one sort of slips under the radar. And Showtime have been doing a thing over the lockdown period where they did actually broadcast these three fights. And and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what one you want, Sure, I don't know what one's your favourite. They're all brilliant. But for me, this third one was just excellent. I just enjoyed every minute of it. The third one is the best one for me. Obviously, we're going to move on to talk about the the fourth one, the stinker that we called it at the start of the episode, <laughs> in, in comparison to the, the to the, the trilogy, so to speak. So the result of the fight was disputed by Marquez and his promoter Gary Shaw. They claim that Marquez should not have been penalised a point in that tenth round, and that Vasquez should not have been credited with a knockdown in the final round. But despite their prestations the result of the fight still stood. So, the three fights that they competed in against one another were so punishing, really, that after a certain length of time, it starts to take its toll on the body. And due to that, both boxers were actually out of action for over a year before they returned to the ring. Marquez returned first and made a winning combat with an easy third-round knockout over Jose Francisco Mendoza in May 2009. Now, following his victory, Marquez would remain inactive for almost another year as a four-fight between him and Vasquez was scheduled for May of 2010. Now, Marquez, who was a two-to-one favourite for the fight, once again predicted that he would be victorious by knockout. Vasquez, who needed three surgeries on his damaged retina following the third fight, returned in October of 2009 and actually struggled to a laboured ninth-round win over Angel Antonio Parolo. Now, due to Vasquez's inactivity, he was actually stripped of his title, meaning that this fourth and final fight between these two would actually end up being a non-title fight. And it's a fight that I think, for me, the third that should have been it, especially Vasquez. We'll discuss that a little bit later on. But it was just sort of like a fight that didn't need to happen. I didn't really see the point of it. And I felt that the pressure's of them wanting to just get some money. I believe, I think, I think Vasquez got the best payday he had ever got in his career, which is about 800000 I probably should have really investigated that a bit more, but I think that is what he got for this fight. So I think the May forced him into this. Um, so the full fight did take place. It took place on May 22nd, 2010, uh, Staples Center in uh, Los Angeles, California. Raul Kayaz Jr. was the referee. Obviously, broadcast Showtime again. Showtime. Rochin, Alejandro Lochin, and Max DeLuca, Steve Bono were the judges this time. And the titles online were the WBC Silver Super Panelweight title, which was actually <laughs> vacant. I think it was just one of those that just sort of threw in there, wasn't it? Uh, a bit of a, you know, just just a bit of respect, I suppose, for the fact that they're taking this full fight. And Vasquez was 44 and 4, 32 years old. Marquez was 38 and 5, and he was 30, 38 and 5, was 35 years old. Yeah, it was just one of them fights that I just didn't see the point, and obviously, yeah, there, there's a good reason behind that. I think before we sort of break down this particular four fight, the reason I used the word stinker was not because it was a boring fight, so to speak. It was more that these two guys were past the best when they fought for the fourth time. They chaired the ring three times before in three exhilarating fights between one another and really you couldn't have expected 
anything more out of these two. But even at 32 and 35 year old, they were really, really shop-worn. They were really past their best because they'd had these grueling fights against one another. So this fight wouldn't really be as exhilarating as what the previous free fight was. And there was no real reason for this four fight to to take place, to be honest with you. I mean, there was protests from the third fight, but for me, this, this didn't need to happen, but it did. And of course, you got in the ring and after a dominating opening round for Marquez, who actually came out very fast and battered Vasquez with punches, he actually opened a deep cut over Vasquez's left eye, so the cuts come into play yet again in that second round before then opening another over his right eye in the third. Now, the cuts to Vasquez's vision were significant and it left him severely impaired and a combination by Marquez sent Vasquez down to his knees for a knockdown. And although Vasquez was able to beat the referee's count, he was to be stopped later in the round after taking a series of heavy shots. And as Marquez told us, he wants to knock him out another headbutt. was a bit bad one. I mean, the eyes were, were something that everybody always knew. He had surgery on him. It was obvious he had problems with that left eye in particular. And and Marquez even said himself, I mean, the respect between the pair of women we've just, we've just spoke about and, and demonstrated, but he actually said that oh, we went for the eyes. He went as the first thing I went for. I mean, why wouldn't he? Even Vasquez, I would, I would have done the same thing. I mean, <laughs> that's just, uh, when these two get in the ring, they're a different animal. He didn't give a shit about his eye. He just wanted to win the fight. And, and Mar- Matt Marquez was inevitably declared the winner. And the two Mexican Warriors were tied up with two wins apiece in their four-fight series. And both fighters expressed an interest in a fifth meeting, which, well, this should have happened a lot earlier. I mean, the wear and tear from... I mean, the fact that these Mexicans start so early, the wear and tear from the other fights beforehand, and the fact that, you know, you're knocking on... They both had 40, 50 fights. I mean, it's incredible, the career they've had. And obviously, the wear and tear has taken a a massive toll on a pair of them. Thankfully, they didn't have the fifth. Now, this had not been encouraged by the boxing media. Obviously, even Frank Espinosa, who was Vasquez's long-time handler, stated his career was over. This opinion was echoed by several other boxing writers who claimed that due to injuries Vasquez suffered to his eyes, he should retire. Instead of a fifth fight, Vasquez Marquez fought one Manuel Lopez and lost after failing to come out for the ninth round, obviously taking its toll on Marquez as well. It certainly did, and it's crazy to think that a fifth fight was even proposed, even at the sole fact that they'd both actually won two fights apiece. You know, that's something that would prompt you to want that fifth fight, understandably so, but the condition that the bodies were in at this point were just 
like I said, shot-worn. There was just no way you could put these two guys in the ring together once more because it would only end up in in further long-term damage and long-term injuries. Now, Los Angeles Times wrote that the first three fights were epic. Their fourth was pathetic. Rafael Marquez exposed Israel Vasquez as a faded champion on Saturday at the Staples Centre, dominating his rival from the opening bell and then cutting up his tender eyes to even their series with a third round knockout that left a hopeful crowd of 9,236 spectators very disappointed. The fourth fight between Vasquez and Marquez was generally considered to be the least entertaining of the series, with the fight being the most one-sided of the series as obviously Marquez easily outboxed and beat Vasquez in in that particular fight. So there you go. Most people felt like it was a crap fight. It was one-sided. They were both past the best. There was no need for a fifth fight and rightly so, to be honest with you. And I think it leads nicely into the aftermath now, Johnson, as we start to talk about what happened for Israel Vasquez. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible turn of events, really, for Israel Vasquez. As I say, he has, he's done plenty of interviews. You can find them online quite easily. And um, they all mention the fact that he's actually really articulate. He can speak really well. So the slurring and the words thing, that's why I'm a bit, I was a bit puzzled with what Freddie Roach said before. But obviously, there are other problems now. Israel Vasquez is now blind in his right eye because of the beatings he took in those fights. They're not necessarily just the Marcus fight. I just think of the whole career. And now he's now 43 years old. The Mexican warrior, and he was considering a glass arbor at one point. And after an optic nerve in his right eye went dead and rubbed him with his vision. So yeah, I mean he's got his the eyes there, I'm guessing, but it's just um, it's just it doesn't work. So it's a matter of is it even worth having it there? Um, I don't know if it would cause him pain or not. I'm not too sure. He just puts it down to the fact that it was just an injury. He suffered like an accident. He called it, which is crazy. And, and just as he was about to go through with an eye procedure, Vasquez's body began to diminish physically uh, nearly two years ago. Now, after visiting Dr. Fustel Daniel Garcia in the hospital of Jose Maria in Rome, uh, Roma in, New Me- in Mexico City, Vasquez was diagnosed with systematic stylosis, which is SSC, a chronic autoimmune, oh, I'm not even going to pronounce it, it's a disorder that causes uh, degenerative changes to the internal organs as well as the skin. So, He's not in a good way, really. He's in good spirits. I did read an interview recently with him and he was, he was, he was mentioning the lockdown and how he was enjoying watching the fights back on Showtime. So he seems to be okay mentally, but obviously physically he's, he's taking his toll on him. It really has. It's a really, really sad state of affairs and exactly why we were saying that the proposed fifth fight should have never have happened. The fourth fight should have never even took place and this is the implications of that fourth fight taking place. Now... What he actually said was that, this is Vasquez, it will be a chronic disease that I will have to live for for the rest of my life. There is no treatment to cure it, although it is controlled now. Since the illness affects the muscles, I can't gain weight, but thankfully it is a non-life-threatening illness. If I take care of it and be responsible with it, it can be tamed. It's really sad to, to, to read that quote from him that his life has got to that point where he's... Someone who was so proud and so respectful has been diminished to someone so really humble and, and, and poorly. It's, it's honestly really, really sad state of affairs. And obviously when you was doing 
all the investigation and research for the episode, it, it, you know, it, when I read over it, I was just to myself, I was just like, wow, this is, you know, this is crazy. It's something that I didn't yeah. know. It's something that I didn't know at all about Vasquez and, and, and what had happened to him afterwards, because you don't always get to, to really follow them. You know, fighters like this, once they've, once they've retired, once their careers are over, and with him obviously being a Mexican based in Mexico, you don't really get to hear a lot about what's happened to them afterwards. But reading that, you know, it really made me feel sad inside. Yeah, it did with me. And the fact that he, he put his body on the line for our entertainment, and that's why I always, you know, when we was running through his career and obviously picking out the highlights of his career, going into this magnificent trilogy with Marquez. It's, it's just important to just mention those big nights and the fact that he was a nice guy and he literally just loved to have a tear-up and obviously that longevity of his professional career and in those wars, in that style, you know, that Mexican, I think Mexican so it's just an aggressive style that um, they don't mind taking one to give one and I think obviously it's, it's t- taking its toll on, he, on, on his body and obviously the, the loss of his eye. I thought it was the left eye. I, I must have, yeah, it was the right eyes. Ah, either way, just losing one. I don't know what what side it is. It's terrible, isn't it? Really, really sad. The sad state of affairs for him. So we're going to just touch on Marquez, of course, and what happened for him in the aftermath of this four fight and their their epic series of fights. On July the 16th, 2011, Marquez actually made his comeback in Cancun on the same card as his brother Juan Manuel Marquez against Eduardo Bracelli. Both fights were tune-ups, and the younger Marquez brother comfortably dealt with his opponent, knocking him down once on the way to a six-round TKO. Now, Marquez fought against WBC Super Bantamweight champion Toshaki Nishikoka on October the 1st at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, and he lost that fight by a unanimous decision. He did actually go on to fight for another two years following that title challenge, and went on to retire in 2013 with no more titles picked up in the process. So, although it ended pretty sad for Vasquez after this series of fights, for Marquez, he tried once more to to go on to become a world champion, but was unsuccessful in that attempt. And I think what I believe about this series of fights is that it has left a, a legacy on the sport that, Although we might not think it's the greatest series of fights, we certainly definitely put it up there as as one of the greatest because what they delivered for us as fight fans was something truly, truly special. And although that four fight was way past the best and we've spoke about it, that series of fights as a whole were were unbelievable. Just watching back on them, and as I say, they are fights you forget about. You know, they're always there, but you you know, you. They weren't necessarily. It was go two rounds, and it was a great. Like the third fight was magnificent. But just watching from the first, second, the third, and then just briefly. I mean, I briefly watched the, the fourth thing. I probably just watched the stoppage to be fair because I wasn't too concerned. I knew what happened and I knew the situation. But I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant series, and just the way they mirrored each other, the way they both had that devastating power. They both were just dangerous in, in the lower weight class as well. The division that. Now, we've had some fantastic, you know, even, I think, I think, Barrera and Morellas, was that their first fight was at Super Bantamweight? It was at Bantamweight, definitely in and around that way. And obviously, we've had Manny Pacquiao down there. Funny enough, when Manny Pacquiao did uh, vacate his title, he ended up, that, that Vasquez fought for, he actually fought, I think it was Morellas, and then he fought with um, one Manuel Marquez after that. So it's just the links between some of these guys. I mean, they were just a bit Arthur, obviously, Morellas and Barrera. 
I would always say that them, I mean, Moraes and Barello just, again, their, their fights are fantastic. I would put it just above them, but Marquez is, is, is and Vasquez is just stunning. It really is. And, I, you know, I enjoyed sitting down watching all four fights. I mean, the four fights, you say, wasn't great, but what magnificent, legendary night. And, and the guy that, that put it out there, I'm really pleased he did because it was one I was hoping would come up on the pole. And, and I'm pleased that we could go back and look on some of their stuff, that, some of the stuff we never knew and some of the fights I've never seen. So, uh, and it's all there on YouTube. Go and have a look at it, guys. Seriously, some of the, some of it's in Spanish as well. But, you know, turn around and Dan just enjoy the fight because they're, they're just stunning fighters. really is. So I've got to give a big shout out then to, to Dominic Bennett, who is on Twitter at Ebony F Prince. He was the one that messaged the Legendary Knights Twitter account and actually suggested, would we consider doing this series of fights? Absolutely, Dominic. I'm, I'm glad that you've been enjoying listening to the Legendary Knights series during this lockdown period. And we're glad that we've been able to deliver yet another Legendary Knights series of fantastic fights, which we've thoroughly enjoyed talking about and going through. So at this point of the episode, you'll have listened to it and you'll probably think, right, you know what I'm going to go and do now? I'm going to go and watch that series of fights. Well, that is exactly what the Legendary Knights podcast series is all about. It's about bringing uh, a reminiscent of, of certain fights or trilogies or just epic nights in boxing which will lead you to go on and think you know what i'm going to go and watch that fight now and we're really glad that a lot of you do use the, the listening to the podcast to go and do that it's, it's been really great to get all that feedback from everybody and of course we've been really chuffed with all the feedback and all the ratings and reviews that we've been getting on apple podcasts uh, tyler denny you sent us a review over quite recently uh, giving absolute fantastic recommendations to people about this particular podcast and we truly truly appreciate all the support that we've been getting for it now of course if you're not already following us on social media you can do so by checking us out on twitter at legend night pod and you can check out the facebook page which is the btr boxing podcast network which includes our legendary night series all the episodes get posted on there. career profiles the darker side of boxing btr boxing podcast main feed and of course there's the ones to watch series as well so if you guys want to go and follow us on there that's the place to do it if you've not already subscribed to any of the podcasts that we have out there including the legendary night series then what are you waiting for go and get on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any available podcasting app out there and get subscribing. You can just type it in the search bar, Legendary Nights, Career Profiles, Darker Side of Boxing, it's all there. And if you are an Apple Podcast user, please, please, please leave us a rating and leave us a review because it really does help us get the word of mouth out there about all the series that we run. So we truly appreciate it. Thank you very much, as always, for listening to this tale of Israel Vasquez versus Rafael Marquez on Legendary Nights. And right now, Thomas Hearns is an open book for Ray Leonard. Backs up against the ropes. This is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport. The first loss. A tremendous victory. Leonard fighting off the ropes. It happened. It happened. Number cut by Douglas. The down goes Tyson. Hooks in right hand shot. Excellent. Knocks out by Tyson. Podcast Network.